You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to Billy, who's been sober for 17 years but still regularly attends AA meetings and has continued these online during lockdown. why I go to AA. Um, uh, My story is that at the age of about 51, I decided I was drinking far too much. So basically, I mean, I I, I was a sort of person, I I just just felt that I was drinking too much. I was drinking about three to four bottles of wine a day. I never got pissed. Um, My mum was an alcoholic and had had sort of, I mean, I say that she drank herself to death. She went into recovery, uh, came out of, came out of a treatment center and died a week later of pneumonia, which is just extraordinary. So that was when I was 37. And I suspect that at that point, I've never been particularly interested in drinking before, but I got into a relationship with somebody and he was a heavy drinker. And I think I try, I thought I was trying to keep up with him. But the time relationship finished, you know that alcoholics very often have relationships with other alcoholics. I, after the relationship finished with Ian, I just didn't put the drink down. So I suspect, I suspect I probably drank alcoholically from the age of 40 to 50. And then, you know, and I loved it. I was having a really nice time with it. All my friends would have thought I was a laugh. Uh, but I just decided one day that I was a bit frightened about the way I was drinking. I booked a holiday in the Canaries where I got fucking pissed every night, you know, and really frightened myself because, you know, I think I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, opening the minibar in the room and the minibar would be diminished in the morning. Mm. So I, I stopped. Um, I stopped uh, for about, I, I actually decided to stop drinking in the July of 2004 and made preparations to stop drinking six months later. So I put a date on it. I said on February the 9th, 2004, I'm going to stop drinking. And I did. I had my last drink, put it down, and uh, um, basically everything was fine for about two or three months. I was working in a company, a theatrical company, Andrew Lloyd Webber's company. I was doing something, a very social job there, on reception, greeting people they came in. And it was a heavy drinking sort of atmosphere there. And um, basically what happened was two months after I stopped drinking, I remember turning the computers off and we were having yet another of the parties that we used to have um, in the office. And... I remember walking into the party and suddenly having the most horrific panic attack and going home thinking, holy shit, I'm the only person in the world who's doing this. I don't drink and everybody else does. And I actually phoned a friend who I had helped go into recovery years before. And he Mm. said, I'm going to take you to a meeting. And he took me to a meeting and it made perfect sense to me. I also had a young son by this time, a three-year-old called George. And looking after a three-year-old with a heavy hangover is no 
fun whatsoever. Mm. So basically, I mean, I started going to meetings and that, and we're, so we're talking about, we're talking about 60, I'm coming up to 17 years without a drink. Oh. Uh, having a drink never occurs to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, having said that, you know, I suppose during this lockdown, it, it's, it's slightly occurred to me, this the idea of what would it be like, but the idea that I would now go out and get a drink, um, 16 years on, I am still in AA, I still go to meetings, but I've actually progressed from, from AA, I go to tr- other 12-step um, fellowships. I go to SLA, which is Sex Love Addicts Anonymous, mm. and I go to Al-Anon, and I go to Adult Children Alcoholics. My stuff is absolutely related to my childhood. I think that I drank because I'm a fearful individual. I don't, I, in my case, I don't think there's a sort of um, a genetic component. I just think I'm, I was a terrified person, and I recognize that my mum was that too. And so I go to meetings for support, because I'm surrounded by people who are really very, very like me. But the thing convinced me paradoxically that I wasn't an alcoholic uh, was my going to Al-Anon and adult children alcoholics because I could see the other stuff that makes me an alcoholic, the way I'm thinking, the way that, you know, but you know that very often people say, why, why are you still going to AA? You haven't had a drink for 17 years. Well, and I don't know whether I'd have a drink or not if I stopped going, but I'm mm. not going to risk it. And I've got dear, dear friends in AA now, and I wouldn't stop seeing them. I mean, you know, and people say, God, you spend so much time in AA meetings. So I said, I tell you, I don't spend nearly as much time in AA meetings as I did propping up a bar. Mm. Um, so, so, so to progress on from that, Emily, how, if I, I would say, how is it now with the Zoom meetings? I have to say that I just thought, oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to go along with this at all. You know, I'm technically a technophobe. Um, I don't really, I didn't think I'd look particularly like looking at a screen, but I, I'm absolutely fine with it. It's the, to me, it's the same. It's nearly as good as a meet, going to a meeting for me. Mm. It's, it's, um, uh, as a slightly avoidant personality, there's something quite nice about it. It's easier to, to, to leave a Zoom meeting than it is to actually get up and put your jacket on and leave an AA meeting, which, which is what people do all the time. People come and go. I know that a lot of people are having real difficulty. I've got friends who I've not seen in the Zoom meeting because they can't really deal with it. But I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, you, you become obsessed about, you know, what, what are the pictures on somebody's wall? Uh, behind them, a little bit of a, a bonus contention in, in, in 12-step meetings about whether it sort of slightly breaks the anonymity mm-hmm. by having, um, you know, by you being able to see in somebody's flat. So I was wondering what it was that um, when you were still drinking, when you picked up that first drink of the evening, how it yeah. would make you feel? I would say that on my drinking days, the day would start off nice because that was what I was doing at seven o'clock. I never had a drink before seven o'clock. I'd turn the computers off at work and then I'd be out. And, you know, I'd have three glasses on the way home, then a half of craft somewhere with a meal. Then I'd get to the, I'd get to the pub and have three more. But the whole day was going to be gorgeous because that's what I was doing in the evening. I'm quite... Um, 
fantastic person. In the words, I, I use fantasy a lot. So I, I suppose if I woke up on a day, I'd be looking forward to the evening, and that would take me through without me having to sort of drink before seven. I used to, if I described myself the days before I, I stopped drinking, I would describe myself as an extremely anxious person who liked drinking. And mm -hmm. if you'd said to me, I drank because I was anxious, I wouldn't have known what you're talking about. It's only because of the work that I've done now, I know that the two are absolutely linked, that I'd be waiting to drink because that's when I would not be anxious. I don't think I really knew myself very well before. My level of ignorance about myself was overwhelming, I'd say. Well, I'm sure that's the case, though, for lots and lots and lots of people. I, I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I think sometimes... I probably arrogantly assume I know myself better than I do. How was it for you coping with your mother being an alcoholic? My, my, my life um, as a child, you know, I have three siblings, uh, middle class, uh, stockbroker about Surrey, uh, with meals on the table, uh, dad going off abroad quite often to work. And... I think it's one of the huge difficulties in my life that I find it very difficult. Had we had, an, um, had we had a childhood which was much more abusive and I could be more angry about it, I think paradoxically I would be better off. But my, yeah. my mother was an absolute sweetheart, but she was barely present. You don't get away with a parent drinking for 24 years and not being damaged. No. And that doesn't mean she wasn't an adorable, sweet person, but it wasn't. It's not okay. When you talked earlier about feeling that there being times when you scared yourself, was that um, was any element of that feeling? Yeah. Frightened about turning into your mother? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You say you went to the first meeting and something yeah. clicked. Could you maybe describe that feeling a bit more? Did you did you feel comforted or safer? What Hugely was comforted. I felt immediately as though, uh, although the, the person doing the share that day, I, you know, was had had a terrible drinking story. There was something about what he said that made sense to me, and there was something about the sweetness of people coming up to me and saying, "Here's my telephone number." Um, it was fantastic. I, you know, I got so into so it was like a new life. It was this extraordinary thing. Having had this vacuum of, of having given up drinking two months beforehand and just sort of gritting my teeth. You know what they call people who give up drinking, um, who give up drinking without going to meetings? They call them dry drunks. Uh, mm. That means somebody who's basically not doing the work. They'd like a drink, they're angry and all that, they're not doing any work to find out what's happening. And, mm. you know, the other thing they say is people are white-knuckling it. And I did that for two months. I was yeah. actually, I found myself very extraordinarily not very close to a drink, but bonkers. Did you find when you started going to meetings that you drastically changed your friends and lifestyle or were you able to still spend time with the same people? Uh, uh, it's interesting that, uh, yeah, it changed. You know, I can remember the first, my, the first day of not drinking. I thought, well, I like it. You know, there's a gay bar called um, Rupert Street. And mm. I thought, well, I'm still going to go there. You know, I'll just be having a Coke. 
I went there once after I gave and I've never been back. It became about having coffee with... Uh, with uh, I didn't... I didn't really think, oh, my God, all my friends have changed. But afterwards, later on, I thought, shit, it's changed. I mean, who the fuck wants to stand around in a bar if you're not drinking? I mean, there was nothing going on. You know, I, 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 would, I would describe myself as I'm not a party animal. I don't like being in whole groups of people. I guess I love being in any group of people where there's a lot of drinking going on. Remove that. And I want to sit on a sofa and have a a big fat old conversation with one or two other people. I want mm. to go to dinner parties where there are two or three people. I get social anxiety. I've always done that. It's probably one of the, re- one of the things I do, one of the, what they call the isms, you know, alcoholism, one of the things that motivated my drinking and my using. Then there's a big debate, you know, in therapy about whether I should go to a party. Or, I don't like it, Emily. I'm, 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 you know, I, I struggle partly for social anxiety, but I find it boring. I'd, People are talking about stuff that I can't be bothered with. You know, I want to talk. Yeah. A lot of the time, I want to talk about what's really happening, about recovery. If anything, this period when we've all been locked indoors has made me think, actually, there are so few people who I really want to it's, spend time with. I know, with. it's bizarre, that. <laughs> the, 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 the sort of, the imprisonment with, with, with a, just a little flavour of, uh, of, of freedom in it, which is very, very extraordinary. You know, I mean, I've had to go to no dinner parties, no anxiety about, oh, tomorrow I've got to go and do this or that. You know, it has other anxieties, of course, like we all might die. But, you know, given that, it's a a very, very extraordinary thing. At the moment that the lockdown was announced and you knew that you weren't going to have access to -to face-to-face meetings, how did that feel? Was there any anxiety? Well, of course, they were changing a bit anyway. So so I went to a meeting. The last face-to-face meeting I went to was a meeting in Pimlico. This is, the lockdown was on the Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone went out and then Tuesday, that's when it really started. So I was a meeting in, in, in my usual, what I call my home group, my AA meeting where I know everybody. We're there on Saturday. We'd moved from the church hall, uh, a small room within the church hall, to a much bigger one. And we were already doing the six feet apart. So it's rather like, I think a lot of us could see this coming because the meetings were edging towards and we begin to say, ooh, I wonder if this meeting's, I wonder if we're going to be doing this next week. The fact is you can't really, you know, you know, the 12th step is you, you introduce people to meetings. If somebody phones and says, look, I'm in real trouble, you'd take them along. Well, it's quite difficult to do that with the Zoom meeting. So, so I think those of us who are established are, are not having a bad time with it. But what's happening to newcomers, I, I'm not quite sure. And how how do you think it will feel for you when you do go back to your first meeting, when you see the people who you've built friendships and relationships well, with in person? it'll be lovely. And I can see that Zoom meetings are also going to take off. I mean, you know, it's a real freedom on a Friday yeah. night not to have to go out an hour before to travel to somewhere to sit in a meeting. I can join the meeting five minutes before it starts. Now, I think you were saying in in, in the blurb, you know, that you wrote to me before we started about whether I was meeting and missing certain people. I have a very, very dear friend called Ruthie who lives in the country. And we talk a lot, but we've not been to a meeting together. And it's the one person I would like to see to go to a meeting with, although we we chat and stuff. Mm. Um, She's been she's been sober ten eleven years, 
So mm-hmm. we met at that time. Then very similar backgrounds. A mother, a mother who was a rather dramatic drunk and a father who was um, what we call in the jargon an avoidant, somebody who's putting up with it. And so we had a huge amount in common. And how would you describe her character? What's her personality like? Bubbly, immensely warm, uh, slightly frightened of authority, a bit people-pleasing. I don't think she'd like to... We'd never have a row together. Mm. Uh, she doesn't like conflict. And I'm the same. I'm very much the same as that. Mm. Ruthie and I, we're, we're very similar in that way. Oh, I was just going to ask about Ruthie, how being physically in her company made you feel. Uh, totally at ease. It's, it's right. I'm not completely, you know, I'm not sure I'm completely at ease with everyone. I'm socially, some social situations are okay and some are not still. And I can't judge which is going to be which. One final question, or two questions actually. Um, one, one was that whether you thought you would have found this period more difficult had it happened when you were earlier in your... Oh, shit. Well, okay, let's say, let's say that my state before sobriety would be in a state of such self-ignorance that I don't know what would have been going on. I should think I'd be sitting here with six bottles of wine, mm. uh, making myself ill. I can't imagine what we, I would be doing 10 years ago before Zoom meetings or before, you know, it's like before this, I can't answer that. Uh, I, I should think it'd be pretty pretty tough so my my final question linked to that was whether you might have a message of support for anybody who is earlier in their journey and or struggling at the moment what i'd say to them is like anybody would come keep coming to meetings try and get used to the zoom meetings if you don't like them i would say to anybody when you when you go to AA or SLA or or which is sex love addicts anonymous any of those meetings say if you don't like it, just decide to come to six. Mm. Come six times. And I think that anyone coming to a Zoom meeting and hearing what you're hearing would say, yeah, yeah I can deal with that. And hang on in there and take some phone, phone numbers and, and phone somebody who sounds nice. Ask for somebody who, who's been sharing at the meeting. They've said something you like and you've warned to that person. See if you can't ask for their number at the end, the, the share on the Zoom meeting at the end of it and give that person a ring. There's no need to be alone with it. If you'd like to tell us about someone you're missing, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at radioisopod. <laughs>